Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Today we are ending a two-week mini-series called All In, and if this is your first time here today. You came on a great Sunday. One of the things we're, we're wanting to do this year is we're wanting to add strength to our church. Uh, as we continue to grow as a church, we're, we're seeing great growth. Uh, we want to, as we grow, I, I've just been very concerned in my heart as a pastor. Uh, I love people. I love you. Uh, I don't really have an ulterior motive. I just want to see you successful. Um, I don't want your money, and I don't need your money. That's the Lord's. Uh, I, don't, I don't need your attention and your time. That's the Lord's. The Holy Spirit convicts you to serve in the house of God. The Holy Spirit convicts you uh, to be a generous giver. The Holy Spirit does those things. My responsibility is just to love you with no strings attached and to try to encourage you and to try to get you to serve the Lord and live a life of fullness and a life of, of, of blessed by God. Amen. Don't you love hearing that? That's my heart. That's our heart. And so one of the things we've recognized is the church continues to grow. I've been concerned that maybe as people come, I want to make sure we're able to provide as much pastoral care as possible. And we don't just, people don't just fall through the cracks. And one of the things we've been doing is we've been adding strength to our year. We've had to discover one and discover two is happening now where you can uh, learn about what our church believes and all these different things. And, and we've started foundations class and helps people walk through the, the, the first eight weeks of their walk with Jesus and learn about what, what the Bible teaches about the fundamentals of faith and a first 40 where we partner with anyone who gives their life to Jesus. And for the first six weeks, they're partnered with someone in the church to text them and encourage them on their journey with God. All these different areas of strength. And one of the areas we really wanted to add strength was in the area of something that might scare some of you. And some of you are brand new to church or brand new to Love City Church. And you're like, man, I'm all in. Let's go. Some of you today aren't even followers of Jesus. And you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And many of you come from maybe other church environments where you had a bad experience. And, and when you hear this following word I'm about to say out loud, and uh, we decided that we believe one of the ways for us to be able to help people continue to grow in their walk with God and give us the opportunity to and pastor as many people as we can is through having a membership in our church. And what we're going to call it is partnership because membership sounds like a country club. Uh, partnership, we want to partner with you in your journey. We want to partner with you in your walk with God. And if you missed last Sunday, I encourage you strongly, go online and listen to last week's message as I laid the first foundation for today's message. So you might not have all the context. You got to go back last week and listen. Last week, I talked about a lot of different things, and one of the things I talked about is what is a partnership or membership and what it is not. What does it mean? And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to focus on one very specific benefit to you engaging in this process. And you say, Ryan, okay, I've been at the church for a while. I want to I go all in, man. I want to make this my home church. I want this to be my church. I, I believe God's called me here. I want to be here. Okay, next Sunday, we have a Discover 2 class with Vince and Justine. Go to the Discover 2 class. And then after that, you, you'll have an email. You'll be able to have a, a coffee with my wife and I, with Andrew and Brittany or Ryan and Julie. And all we do is we sit down and we just talk with you about your life. And we look at several areas of your life, such as this. Hey, do you agree with our biblical doctrine of the church? Do you, are you living a, a, a biblical lifestyle? Are you, do you have any unrepentant sin in your life? How did, when you left the previous church you were a part of, did you do it in a healthy way? And are, are, do you believe in the mission and the vision? It's basically just a way of saying, hey, this is who we are. Do you agree with that? Let's partner together. And so many of you today might not do that. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. 
I'm not forcing anybody. Though you won't line you up today and have you sign a piece of paper, or tattoo it on your arm. That's not what we're gonna do. This is between you and the Lord. We're not forcing anyone to do it. And you say, Ryan, can I be a part of the church and still be a, like a non-partner, non-member? Absolutely. You can engage in the church. You can be a relationship in the church. You can be a part of the ministry. You can be here. But there is a distinctive difference between those who say, hey, I'm here, but I'm not a partner, and those who say, you know what, Ryan, this is our home church. And I'm gonna tell you those differences today. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at some scriptures today that you maybe never have heard taught in church. And I love teaching those verses because people are like, wow, I didn't know that was in the Bible. And wow, I can't believe you read that on Sunday. <laughs> and so we're gonna encourage you today with, uh, with this idea of what it means to be a partner. We talked about this last week, but what it is not. What, what is partner? What, what it is not. It is not a marriage. If you become a member or partner at Love City Church, it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to visit other churches or you're not allowed to engage in other ministries. It's not like you go and visit another church and you're like, you're cheating on me. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like that at all. It's not a marriage. It's not exclusive, meaning we won't be the only ones you grow spiritually from. There'll be other preachers and speakers and books and things you grow from. I grow from a lot of these environments too, and I know that you do too. And so this isn't exclusive, meaning you can only grow from one environment. It's also not a lifetime commitment. Many of you are called here for a short season. And many of you are called here for a long season. And for those of you who are called here for a lifetime, some of you are going to die here, praise God. Some of your kids, kids, kids are going to die here. That's very morbid. I'm sorry. But some of you are going to be here for so long that there's generations of generations of your kids being saved in the church and getting married in the church and having more children in the church, praise God. Some of you will be called to that, but some of you might be here just for a season. We've had a lot of people come who have made this their home church. The Lord's called them onto ministry calls, or maybe the Lord's called them to be a part of another local church environment. Hey, if you feel God's calling you to do that, I told someone this today, let us help you transplant your tree in a healthy way. Don't just ride off into the sunset and say, oh, they don't care. Yes, we do. We know, we see it, we feel it, and we want to help you. It's also not a way to get rights. Become a member in the church or partner in the church doesn't mean all of a sudden you have the power to vote on the carpet color or the lights or, you know, whether or not Ryan should wear different clothes because he's a terrible dresser, whatever that might be. You don't have any rights. It's not a power grab on my part. It's not a way for me to all of a sudden have all this authority. No, my job is to serve you. My job is to come under you. My job is to love you. My job is to nurture you and care for you, not have this, this powerful rights over your life. That is not how God intended it. My job is to serve you. And lastly, and probably the most importantly, this is not a denominational structure. I said this in the first church, and I know this is probably going to tick a lot of people off. I just want to say this today. Denominational structures are often a ways for, to, to create a voting environment for people to vote. It's a political environment to vote in different individuals who will serve on the team, when in reality, we don't often see that in Scripture. What we do see is an implications of membership, implications of partnership that benefit you as an individual. This is not a political structure. This is not a way for you to get a vote people in and out. This is none of those things. This is not that at all. Many of you come from those denominational environments and you hear the word membership and immediately you think that, you know, this is about your money or this is about your vote or this is about power or this is about getting the right people in the right place. It is none of those things. None of those things at all. And so I want to show you today what it is. Uh, uh, it is this. It's a commitment to the vision, mission, and values of the church. It's a commitment to bring your best to the church. 
It's, a, it's an acceptance of responsibility that, come on, I'm going to serve on a team, and I'm going to be a giver in the church. I'm going to bring people to church. It's my church. You know, it's a commitment to open your life up to the spiritual leaders and authorities in the church. It's a commitment to live a biblical lifestyle without any, any unrepentant sin. It's a commitment to the biblical beliefs of our church that what we believe is a statement of faith. You say, yes, I'm behind those, and I believe in them. It's a supernatural covenant with a specific group of people in a specific location. And lastly, thank you for your patience. Uh, we will spend the rest of our time on this last one, a biblical system to help pastor and care for you. It's a biblical system to help pastor and care for people better. And you understand something. I am fully aware that the Bible, that the, the, there's, there's not an 11th commandment that says thou shalt be a member of a church. I recognize that if you scoured the Bible right now and trying to find the Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic word for membership, you most likely will not find it. I am fully aware of that. So those of you who are saying it's not in the Bible, I know that. But if you read through the New Testament and throughout Scripture, you will see incredible implications of an environment where there was there where there's accountability, there was pastoring, there was shepherding, there was discipline, there was partnership, there was help, there was togetherness. All throughout Scripture, you will see the implications of an environment where people said, this is my environment where I'm growing and I'm allowing myself to be open to the pastoral leadership in my life to be able to encourage me, to speak into my life, to, to encourage my life and to have a voice into how I live my life. And I recognize that we see throughout the scripture, there is clear communication. And what happened was, is that when Paul planted a church throughout the New Testament, they would put elders in every single church. Look at this in Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in how many churches? Every church. Let me give you a little tip. If you're going to a church that does not have an official eldership, be very careful, because that means there is not a, it's called ecclesiology. Everyone say ecclesiology. It's a big word. That word speaks to the government or the leadership of the church. Every single church has an eldership with prayer and fasting. They turn the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. And so these, the, the purpose of these elders, the purpose of these spiritual leaders was to, to, to have a specific role. And yes, did they preach the gospel to reach lost people? Yes. Yes, did they spend time with individuals in the church, yes. But their predominant role of an elder in, in, in the book, in the Bible, was for them to care for and pastor those who identified that church as their home church. These elders would spend their time doing a few things we're gonna talk about today. They would spend a few things, and what they would do is, is they would create an environment where these elders would begin to pour into these individuals, and Paul teaches us in Acts chapter 20 what these elders and what this leadership team and these spiritual leaders are supposed to be doing for the church. Look what it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. So this is Paul writing after he's about to go to Rome, and he's going to go before Caesar, so guard yourselves and God's people, and feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The very first responsibility and what, what happens when you become a partner or a member in the house of God is that you are guarded and protected. 
You are in an environment where you are being guarded and you are being protected. You say, Ryan, what are we being guarded and protected from? Literally the next verse in that scripture, Paul writes this. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come. Say, will come. Where are they going to come? In among you after I leave. In fact, he says, they're not going to spare the flock. Look, he says, even some men from your own group. So he identifies that there are false teachers who are going to rise up in the church. And in fact, it'll happen in your specific church. Men from your own group will rise up, distort the truth in order to do what? Draw a following. To get people to follow them. And Paul writes, he shouts it, watch out. He continues, we have to recognize that that. But part of this partnership and a part of this membership is that you and I are provided protection. There is safety in an environment that says, hey, are you identifying yourself saying, this is my church. Therefore, you are my pastor. Therefore, these are my leaders. Therefore, this is my church. Therefore, I'm in an environment where I am safe and I am protected. And we see all throughout the scriptures, we are warned to watch out, to watch out, to watch out. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. False messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, listen, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, Jesus says, I've warned you about this ahead of time. Peter writes about this too. Peter says, but there was also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them in this way. They will bring sudden destruction on themselves. I really want to go off on this, but you say, Ryan, what are, what are they talking about? I did a series called Maintaining Balance. Go online and listen to it. It brings clarity to the scripture. Look at what it says. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered and in their greed what greed money they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money but God condemned them long ago and the destruction will not be delayed Paul continues then we will no longer be immature like children we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of what new teaching let me tell you the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the word of God have been there for a really long time it's not a new teaching whenever someone comes to you and says oh the spirit revealed to me something new in scripture say whoop whoa the Holy Spirit only reveals things to us that have been found in his word and proven true through generations. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. I just ripped my Bible. That's too bad. Paul continues, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk to deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on the circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And guess what? They're doing it just for money. Paul continues again, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. That phrase, chase after myths, in the complete word study dictionary, it means this, that which is fabricated by the mind in contrast to the truth of reality. 
It means this, that, that there's a, it's a fable full of falsehood and pretenses. They're saying this, man, there's going to come a time where you are going to be tempted and have a desire to wander around looking for whatever a teacher will say, what suits what I wanted to say. I don't like the fact that he teaches about those things. I don't like the fact that, that the Bible says it, so I'm going to go and find teachers that will say exactly what I want to hear and in the process will reject the truth and change chase after fantasy versus the truth of God's word. See, when you're in the house of God and you're saying, this is my church, this is my church, it's my responsibility to ensure that the false teaching and the false prophets and the false messiahs that are absolutely out there will not come against our church. And our teachers and our leaders, one of their primary responsibilities is to correct you. And I want to encourage you with this. Today, we have a lot of lone ranger Christians who are out doing their own thing, saying it's me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and Jesus listening to some random internet preacher. Oh man, he's my pastor. He ain't your pastor, he's just a speaker. Pastors are when you are in a location where someone can touch you and speak to you and be involved in your life and know about your walk with God and know what's going on. There are people that we've been listening to that you need to stop listening to right now. And here's the reason. Because when you are the arbitrator of what's right and wrong, we need to be in an environment where we can say, hmm, Ryan said that on Sunday, and I thought this. Huh, interesting. What does he mean there? Oh, wow. The, the, this is what he's saying God's word says, but this guy taught me this. What does God's word say? What do you do? You go back and study it for yourself. And you come back and be like, whoa, wow, this is the truth. This is what God's word is. Okay, and we continue to stay in the truth, stay protected, stay guarded in the truth of God's word. See, with those who are planted in the house of God, I can focus on and encourage those individuals to say, hey, that thinking is not correct. No, you don't tithe to make more money. No, that's a lie. No, 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 you can't, like, there is a heaven and there is a hell. No, when you go to hell, you can't make it back up to heaven. No, like, we don't just get demolished when we die. No, uh, the alternative lifestyles that we think through scripture that says they're not okay are not now okay because there's a new Hebrew definition that we discovered 100 years ago. These are not truths that we should abide our lives by, and you and I need to understand that when we're in a healthy church, you are being challenged in those things. Given an opportunity to be protected and challenged and encouraged. We see that they're guarded and protected. We also recognize that when a part of that protection, and this is a bit of a hard one, you may have never seen this scripture read in church before, okay? You ready? <laughs> we often know that also part of that protection, that when you're in the, a, a member or a partner in the house of God, there's a form of discipline that you open your life up to. There's discipline. And what we do is we open our lives up to spiritual leaders in our life, we open our lives up, up to, up to people who God has placed in that environment. And we open our hearts and lives up to, to accountability. We don't like accountability, do we? <laughs> we don't like it. When someone says to hey, Ryan, keep me accountable in this. And I say, okay, are you sure? And I say, hey, what about that? And you say, dude, just get on my back, bro. <laughs> but you asked me to keep you accountable. See, when you're planted in the house of God, you're saying, Ryan, I want to be in an environment that's going to keep me accountable to the things of God, going to keep me accountable to the things of God's word. It's going to keep me accountable in my walk with him, keep me accountable in my dating relationship to make sure I do it right, to keep me accountable in what I'm looking at, to keep me accountable in what I'm spending my money on, to keep me accountable. I want to open my life up. Accountability requires a bit of discipline in our lives. 
I don't have time to read it, but in Hebrews chapter 12, you'll see that God says he disciplines those he loves. What father, you know, what father disciplines his kids? And, and, and you know, there's benefit from it. There's benefit. I messed the scripture up. You go read it. The Bible says it a lot better. Like, anyway, just go read it. Hebrews chapter 12. You can read it later. There's discipline. What we see happen in the church is that often we come into a place where we are on the outside. And so when we make a mistake or we fall short or something goes on in our life, it's easier for us just to pull the ripcord and disappear. But when you're in an environment, you say, hey, Ryan, I, I want to be known. I want to be seen. I want to be a member. I want to be planted. This is my house. When there's something in your life that's going on, when there's a mistake of sin, which, hey, how many of you know we're all sinners? Amen. I'm the chief of sinners in this room. I recognize that I need forgiveness every single day and every single moment of my life. Even right now, Jesus, forgive me. I don't know why. Just forgive me, Lord. I made a weird comment in the first service that I won't repeat, but I had to ask the Lord to forgive me. <laughs> every single second, every single moment, we need God, amen? There's a difference between being a sinner who is repentant and asking God to forgive me and a person who's in the house of God who lives in an area of sin unrepentant and will not respond to the spiritual authorities in their life. Now, in today, today's churches, we don't talk about this very much, but when you're a member or a partner of the house of God, you can know one of two things. Number one, you can know you're going to be kept accountable, but you also can know that, you're going to, that your environment you're in is safe. Jesus teaches on this. Matthew chapter 18. Now, this is before the church, before Acts chapter 2, before, before, before. This is back when Jesus was on the planet. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. So talk about believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. If the other person uh, listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if the, you are unsuccessful, now go grab another believer, another follower of Jesus with you and go back again that every, everything you may say, say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. That somebody confirm that you're handling yourself right. You're not just being a jerk about it, but you're like gracious and, hey, you hurt me and you offended me. So there's accountability there. And then look what Jesus says. Okay, they didn't listen. Okay, well, if the person still refuses to listen, they still reject the, 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 the confrontation, take your case, Jesus says this, to the church. By Christians were already talking, right? In the universal church, he, the Christians were already talking. Now he identifies a specific environment where you are to go when there is an unrepentant environment. You call the case to the church and the leaders in the church then are a part of the conversation. And if he or she won't accept the church's decision, this is Jesus talking, not me. Treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now look what, this is a scripture that we often don't see in church. And we see this again Paul wrote a letter to the book of, uh, to the, to the Corinth, the church of Corinth and the church of Corinth, Corinth was a highly sexualized city. There was all sorts of things happening. And what was happening is, is that the church of Corinth was, was having to make a choice. Are we going to stand uh, firm on the word of God or are we going to be, become a progressive church? We, are we going to begin to allow certain sexual behaviors in the church? And in order not to offend them, we're just going to make it permissible. We're going we're gonna to allow it. We're not going to really talk about it. We won't really address it. We won't really say anything about it. And this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. I can hardly believe, Paul says the report, about the sexual immorality that is going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. There's a man in your church who's sleeping with his stepmom. Look what Paul says. He says this, you are so proud of yourselves. You're proud that you've allowed this. You're proud that you're so progressive. You're proud that you're like, oh, listen, you know, 
In our world today, there's been a lot worse happening, so we're okay. There was a progressiveness in their mindset. And Paul says, you're so proud of yourselves for this acceptance, but you should be mourning and in sorrow and in shame. And you should, look at this, remove this man from your fellowship or your membership. So this means there's a context where this man was once submitted or once in an environment where he's saying, okay, I'm going to open my life up to the spiritual authority in this environment so that now he's living in sin and he's unrepentant. Paul says, it's time to remove this man from the church. Look what he says. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church and I'll be present with you in spirit. So with the power of the Lord Jesus, then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. I'm so glad I came to church today. We don't read this very often in church, do we? So Ryan, why would, why would, a, why would this happen? Because we know that when you are no longer a part of the, house, the fellowship of believers and you are disconnected from fellowship with God due to your choice of sin, that's like being in hell. A separation from the fellowship that says, hey, we've all aligned ourselves to the biblical, what the scripture says. And if you are not willing to adjust to that dis discipline in your life, what happens is, is that you find yourself in a place where you will be removed from that environment. And now you're disconnected from God due to the barrier of your sin. And you are getting a taste of what, just a small taste of what hell feels like. And we're praying that that experience will bring you to a place where you say, oh my gosh, I I'm now out here eating a, a pig food and the servants in your house are so much better off like the prodigal son. I'm gonna go back to my dad's house and I'm gonna give my life back to God and I'm gonna repent of my sin and I'm gonna turn to the Lord and God will bless that person. That's what he says. I'm praying that he himself will be saved, that his life will be turned around because we removed and we disciplined him. When's the last time you saw this done in church? Now, there's been a lot of unhealthy environments where they'll make people get up and talk about all your sin from the stage, embarrass them, shame them, make them feel guilty, condemn them, and kick them out. That's not right. I've been a Christian for 41 years, it feels like. I feel like I came out of the womb a Christian, praise God. And uh, I've seen this done once. This is heavy, is it not? And what happens is, is that we're actually under protection. I know one of two things. Number one, I know that in this environment... I'm gonna enter into a covenant commitment to be accountable to someone in my life. I'm not gonna be a lone ranger. I'm not gonna be isolated. I'm not gonna do this individual Christianity thing. I'm gonna be in relationship. I'm gonna be with fellowship. I'm gonna be together. But I also recognize that when I get into a place, because the Bible teaches us that we can drift away like sheep. The Bible teaches us that each two of us goes our own way. Every one of us has the propensity to slip away. Every one of us has the propensity to fall into sin. Every one of us has the propensity to fall into our own nature, fall into our own way. Every single person in the room, including myself. But if it's not for that environment of, hey, 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 I love you. I'm your pastor. I care for you. What you're doing right there, that's not acceptable. The Bible, that doesn't line up with scripture. Come on, let's get our mind renewed according to scripture. Come on, let's get our life renewed. Come on, ask for forgiveness. Come on, repent. Let's go. Let's go forward with God. If you're not in that environment, you won't be able to be adjusted towards becoming more like Jesus. See, that's the point of being in an environment. The sense of awe, the sense of fear, the sense of I don't want that, that's normal. Of course you don't want it. Of course we don't want this. 
But this is what God provided through the church to keep people accountable, to keep people holy. God's coming back for a holy and a blameless church, not a perfect and a, and a, and a know-it-all church. He's coming back for a, a holy, meaning Jesus makes us holy, blameless, meaning I'm constantly asking God to forgive me. That's what Jesus is coming back for. And in this environment of discipline is where you and I say, okay, my life is open. You say, Ryan, where do you get that? Well, I've got pastors in my life, but mostly my wife. My wife really can, you know, she's, she uh, really scolds me a lot. <laughs> and if you know my wife and you know me, you'll know that's true. My wife is like the Holy Spirit incarnate. And often when I make a mistake, man, I was going through a season where I, 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 I was, I don't know, I'm so vulnerable with you guys. I shouldn't do this, but man, I was drinking way too much, even as a pastor. I wasn't getting drunk every weekend, but I just was to the borderline of just, why was I drinking so much? And I realized I'm feeling stressed and I'm using alcohol to cope with that. My wife turned to me and said, hey, babe, you want this church to fall apart? Hey, babe, you, you want to be a good dad? You want to be a good father? You want to be a good pastor? Stop drinking. And I was like, whatever. I was so upset with her, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, and he used a person to do it. And I stopped drinking alcohol. I haven't had to drink alcohol for a year and a half, and I call myself sober. Why? Because I was using alcohol to cope with my pain or cope with my stress. See, if it wasn't being in that environment of the church, if I wasn't open to that happening, I had another pastor confront me on it. Hey, man, I want to encourage you with this. If you're not open to that in your life and you're just a lone ranger, I want to tell you today, you will not experience the health and the flourishing that God has for you. And that's one of the contexts of the church. One of the most healthy things in the church is being in an environment where you're kept accountable. Say, Ryan, where do I experience this? Join a group. Join a group. Be in a group. Get in that environment. Encourage each other. Care for one another. Challenge one another. The Bible says, confess your sin to one another and you'll be healed. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered in my name, he's there. When you're in a group and you're hanging out, talking about life, and yeah, sometimes it's mundane, it's super not sexy sometimes, and you're showing up every single two times a month and reading the Bible and praying together and going through the motions. Why? Because I want to be a healthy follower of Jesus. I want to look like Jesus. I want to experience his kingdom. I want to be healthy. I don't want to stray. I want to know God. I want to be used in his church. Amen? Here's the next thing that comes from this is that you are fed and you are shepherded. Just a few more minutes here. You're fed and you're shepherded. He says to feed and shepherd God's flock. As I said, sheep, we go astray. When's the last time you had a pastor care for you? Now, in the beginning of our church, I was able to pastor a lot of people, but now it's really hard for me. If you're new in the church, it's really hard for me to get there to you. And I just told someone today, I wish I could just sit down with every person in the church and say, hey, can I please help you? Like, let me help you with your marriage. Let me help you with your life. Let me help you because I just want you to succeed. I got no bones. To, I got no bones. I got no dogs in the fight. I don't need your money. I don't need nothing. I just want you to succeed. And I wish so badly when's the last time you were in a church where you were cared for and pastored and nurtured and loved on. And when you were going the wrong way, they said, hey, come on, come this direction. I know many people in this church have experienced that from, from me being their pastor and in our groups, from them being their pastor. There's something beautiful about being shepherded, about being loved, about being encouraged, but we cannot shepherd you if you're not in this environment. If we don't know you're a part of it, we can't shepherd you. One of the greatest things I learned from this is that is that one of the responsibilities of these elders is to equip God's people. That word there, equip, 
the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. That word equip is the same English word we would get the word chiropractor. When you go into a chiropractor, what's wrong? You got bones out of order, right? Things are all messed up. You walk in like this. Oh, doctor, I need your help. And what do they do? They just do their voodoo magic on you. and It all goes away. What do they do? They come and they take your back and they go, and he goes, oh, that hurt. And then what do you do? Oh, dang. They restore you back to the original order you were intended to be. See, that's the purpose of the teaching of Scripture, is to equip you, is to chiropractic you, is to adjust you. Let me show you in Scripture where it says this. Again, in 2 Timothy, Paul says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead, when he comes to set up his kingdom, this is what he says to Timothy, the pastor, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether time is favorable and when it's not. Look at this. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. It doesn't just say patiently encourage, encourage, and encourage. If you leave church without having a bone in your spiritual body adjusted, you did not go to church. If you're listening to an online preacher and you walk with me, man, I just feel so good about myself. Well, that's good, but you only got one third of the impact of what preaching is. See, the purpose of the scripture and the purpose of teaching is to just get us back in order. There was a couple in our church a long time ago. We were driving in California together and uh, they were newer to our, our church. And I looked in the, in the mirror at them and I, I had a, a specific area of correction and rebuke for them. And I said, hey guys, and I encouraged them. And then I said, hey, shabam. <laughs> I was like, hey guys, I said it gently. And that moment altered the course of their life because I wasn't so worried about being their friend and being their encourager I knew that if I could just adjust this little way of thinking if I could just just this little unforgiveness just this little bitterness just this little thing from the past just this little misconception about scripture just this little idea if I could just adjust that they'll be back on track and experiencing the blessings of God in their life like never before but it takes a adjustment See, when you and I are in the house of God, we're members and partners in the house of God, we are aligned with and made a part of the mission and the vision of God. It's not Ryan's vision, it's my vision. Say my vision. My vision, my vision, my church, my people. I wanna, I wanna reach these people. This is, man, if we're, if we're gonna move into a new building or we have a new project or do new things or there's a financial need or there's a need in the house, you say, you know, this is my church, I'm in. Where do I sign up for that vision and that mission? Our vision here at Love City Church, our mission, rather. We're all about helping people know Jesus, making disciples, and planting churches that impact generations. Our church is a large, we want to be a large, multi-generational, multi-ethnic local church with large influence in the city of Calgary. We're here to build and plant healthy churches across Canada and the world, healthy churches that influence and impact marriages and parents and schools and businesses and government and committees and cultures, a local church that believes it's the hope of the world, the instrument of God to reach people far from God and make disciples of all nations. Come on, we, we, see, a, we see a Bible college that helps young people discover who they are and develop their calling and deploy them to reach the world for Christ. We see a foster care facility that helps connect and support children by placing them in homes by godly men and women. We see 
see churches planted across Calgary, Canada, and the entire world. We see a worldwide impact by launching and supporting social initiatives that feed the hungry, help the poor, and meet the needs of the disenfranchised. We, we, we see missionaries being sent and supported internationally. We see multiple services and campuses across Calgary, Canada in order to effectively influence the city. We see worship songs being written and recorded in order to serve the body of Christ in Canada. We see a fun, exciting, powerful children's ministry that raises a passion in followers of Jesus and world-changing leaders that will reach every social sphere with the power of the gospel. We see relevant and powerful youth and young adult ministry that reaches young people far from God and releases them to be all that God has called them to be. We want you to be a part of this mission. We want to say, that's my mission. That's my vision. I'm going to grow with this church. You know the best part about being a member, I believe, being a partner in the house of God, is that when you are going through all these different things, being pastor, being encouraged, you're a part of a mission, you have the same biblical values, you have all these different, you're no longer coming to church just because you've got something in common with someone at church. Now you're a part of the environment because you're a part of a team. You're a part of a, a calling. You're a part of an environment. You're a part of a body. You're a part of a family. You're a part of a group of people. And you know what that accountability does in your life? It provides lifelong, deep relationships that are not based on fake, surface-level engagement. It's based on deep realities that, man, God changed your life. He changed my life too. Oh, you got adjusted there? Oh boy, I did too. Man, that thing in my life I worked on? Yeah, I had to work on it too. Oh yeah, that financial thing, you're learning this, or we're launching that. Man, I was a part of that. Were you there when we launched that? Were you there when we were a part of that? It develops deep, unified relationships that you can do life together that is not built on your selfish nature. It's built on Jesus. It's a value partner in the house of God say, I'm not going to go here and go there and go here and go there and go here and go there and uproot and uproot and uproot and uproot and uproot. Your roots cannot go down when you do that. You've got to let your roots go down. And as they begin to reach out, it takes three years for a root to begin to produce fruit. Three years. People come and what happens when your roots go down? It gets stressful. It gets hard. Oh man, I'm not connected as well as I want. Or oh man, Ryan said something on Sunday that I'm really frustrated about. Or man, this thing happened. And what happens is as your roots go down, there's a bit of stunt of your growth. But if you just stay the course, you watch your roots go down and you begin to grow. There's joy, there's relationship, there's value, there's ownership, there's correction, there's adjustment. Whenever you're falling off track, someone pulls you right back. Now you're involved in the house of God. Now you're involved as a member in the house of the Lord and you are about to accomplish what God has in store for your life through the kingdom of God. Amen. I want this for you, but I won't force you. If you say, if you say today, Ryan, I want that. Next week, Vince, right here. There's Vince right there. When see Vince, the big beard there, yeah. Next week, he's doing a Discover 2 class. You learn all about this stuff. And then you can set up a time to meet with myself or one of these elders. And we'll just talk about your life. If we get there and you're like, gosh, I don't know if I can sign this. I don't know if I can. That's okay. We'll say, hey, no worries. Let's work on these areas together. It's about partnership. It's not just about you signing a piece of paper and that's, okay, fine, they've got a number. No, no, we'll partner with you. We'll pastor you. We'll help you. We'll guide you. We'll be there for you. Will we make mistakes? Yes. Will we let you down? Yes. Will I offend you? Count on it. <laughs> yes, you'll be offended. Yes, you're gonna have a broken relationship in the church. Yes, someone's gonna offend you. Yes, someone's gonna say something wrong. The answer is not to root yourself up and leave. That's not biblical. It's not godly. It's not healthy. And it will not benefit you in the long run. But what will is you say, okay, I'm gonna work this out. 
able to start this out because this is my home. 